Until now, we have been learning the halachos regarding the mitzvah of Kedushin, how do you do Kedushin, what is Nesuin, how do you do Nesuin, the obligations of Puravu, how do you fulfill the Puravu, and the mitzvah of the Rabbanan of Sheves. Today we will begin to learn the halachos that determine the relationship between various members of the family. Primarily, the basic laws that we will start with today are the biblical obligations that husband has to his wife. There are more than biblical obligations. There are rabbinic obligations as well. But today, we'll try to learn only the mitzvahs, the raisa, the chiyuvim of the Torah that a husband has to his wife. The Torah lists this halacha, if there is such a halacha, in a rather unusual place. The Torah in the beginning of Parshas Mishpatim has the laws of avadim, of slaves. And in that parsha we have the parsha of the Amah Ivriya, the maiden below the age of 12, a Jewish girl who was sold into slavery. To a certain degree, there's no such thing as having a Jewish woman slave in Amah Ivriya, because really what it is, is a prelude to marriage. The Torah said there are three situations for this particular girl. One is the owner can marry her. That marriage is called yi'ud. We use that word for destiny, but it seems that the concept of the Amayavriya is one that's destined for marriage on the part of the Adon. But the Torah gives you an option, and the Torah says that means that he has another choice of not marrying her himself, but giving her to the, his son in marriage. Both of these have a concept of marriage in them. The third possibility, of course, is if the Amahivriya, or someone, gets enough money to redeem her so she can pay the money out and leave slavery early. The Torah then says, and the simple meaning of the of the pasuk imacheratikachlo means if the adam, the the person who married this amayevriya takes another wife, then sheirak sutav onata lo yigra. Those words sheirak sutav onata are rather unusual and rather difficult in our context. So we'll first learn them according to Rashi. Rashi says sheira based on the Gemara and based on the Mechilta, Rashi says, She'ira is Mizonot. She'ira refers to food. It's a rather unusual word to use for food. Usually the word She'er in Chumash means some sort of a relative, like Ish Ish El Kol She'er Bisaro, somehow related to you by flesh, a, a blood relative. Or the Torah says, Kim In the beginning of Amor, when it says that the Kohen can become Tameh only to the relatives, it says, Kim Sheiro means a blood relative. Some people interpret there that a Sheiro could refer to his wife, but nevertheless, it's referring to relations, to relatives. And here, Rashi, based on the Gemara, says that Sheiro means Mezonot. So it seems from here that Rashi would think that there's a biblical obligation included in this Pasuk to support one's wife by giving her mezonot. And the next word, kusuta, 
That one seems more apparent. The word kesut in Chumash does mean close. We have the par, the, in the parish of Tzitzis, in parish of Kiseitze, it says, Gedilim ta'aselach alaba kanfot kesutcha shetachaseba. You should wear Tzitzis on the four corners of your garment. And kesut really comes from the word lechasot, lechasotba, that you cover yourself. So kesuta, Rashi says, kimashma'o, which means, apparently, garments, something in which you clothe yourself. The third, v'onata, Rashi interprets as tashmish, means marital relations. When Rashi said these things, it seems that Rashi thinks all these three things are biblical obligations of a husband to his wife. She'er, ksut, and Ona. Now, the Ramban disagreed with Rashi, and he said, these are not biblical obligations. But before we get to that machloket, I'd just like to point out, the next pasuk says, V'im shlash eile lo kasef. Now, there, I think it's a popular misconception that people think V'im shlash eile lo is referring to the above three. If he does not do she'er ksut v'ona, then v'yatsachinam in kasef. But of course, that can't be, because if she's married, she doesn't go out from marriage without anything. So Rashi, on the, on the Pasuk, says, Im Shlash Eila, explains the Pasuk is talking in a chiastic form. The Im Shlash Eila is referring to the beginning of the parsha. The, the parsha in the beginning said, if a person buys a slave, so he marries her. If he doesn't wish to, then his son can marry her. Or third, she goes out by paying the money. If he does not do any of the above, then she goes out at the age of 12. When the Amayavriya reaches the age of maturity, she goes out without payment of money. But to go back to our question, Rashi interpreted as a biblical obligation and the Ramban took him to task for it. The Ramban, on this Pasuk, says although, of course, he's well aware of this Gemara, the Gemara that Rashi uses as source, the, Gemara, the Ramban says that Gemara is a Das Yachid. The opinion of the Gemara that says Mezonos is Daraisa, that's a Das Yachid. That's one minority opinion. Now, it very well could be that the Ramban thought it was more than a minority opinion, more than one person held this position, but the Ramban says, since we don't pass him that way, he called it a Das Yachid. The Ramban says the, the halacha is that Chachamim were misakin mezonas. Chachamim made up this halacha mezonas. And he says even pshat of Rashi is difficult. Because why would mezonot be called she'er? She'er is referring to relationship, to, to, to flesh. It should have said kiyim lachmo or something to mention mezonas. So he said even the Ibn Ezra who wanted to explain it differently, explained that She'ira is Mezanot, he tried to explain how Mezanot can be considered part of a relative responsibility. So the Ramban says, no, I disagree with the Hopshat, and Mezanot the Rabbana. Now, interestingly enough, Rashi did not say clearly that he thinks Mezanot is the Rabbana. Rashi just said, when the Torah said, 
Sheirak Sutav Onatal Lo Yikra, it's referring to Mizonot, and it's referring to Ksut, and it's referring to Tashmish. But that doesn't mean Rashi thinks it's biblically obligated. For example, the Gur Aryeh, the Maral, in his parish Nechomesh, says that there's not necessarily an argument between Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi might very well think that the Chiyuv is the Rabbanan. All that the Torah said is if a man takes a second wife, he should not treat his wife worse than he normally would, norm, worse than he normally should, in terms of a man's relationship to his wife. Just because he has another wife doesn't mean he should leave, abandon the first wife. According to biblical law, of course, polygamy is permitted. means you're allowed to take another wife, but you're not allowed to just Abandon the first wife. Sheirak sutavonatalayigra means you should treat her as you always have treated her. The Maral says that even Rashi might not think it's an obligation, just a statement of fact. When a person takes another wife, he should treat his first wife properly. Properly would be how how gentlemen treat ladies, but it doesn't mean it's a biblical obligation. The Ramban and then the the Maral bases himself on a, another. Uh, interpretation found in the Ramban in Mishpatim. Although he does not quote the Ramban by name, it seems he's relating to the Ramban's Pshat. If we remember that the Ramban said that the obligation of Mizonos is only Drabanan. Sheirak Sutav Onata, according to Ramban, is, does not refer to a biblical obligation of Mizonos, of support. The Ramban, in a brilliant interpretation, in the beginning of the parsha, explains his theory as follows. The Torah said that when a man buys a Jewish male slave, in begapo yavo, begapo the male slave who comes in unmarried will go out unmarried, which means that even if the master had the right to give him a shivcha knanis, he had the right to give him this non-Jewish maiden as a wife, as a quasi-wife, some sort of, of marriage, but nevertheless, when he leaves slavery, the woman with her children stay indebted to the, to the original owner. But the person who is married, im in Bali Shau, but if the Eved was married when he goes in to slavery, his wife goes out with him. Now Rashi already pointed out, what, what do you mean she goes out? She wasn't a slave in the first place. A man bought a male slave, so if, the, if he goes free, she never was a slave. Why did the Torah have to tell me that she goes out? So Rashi points out, that Hakolna Evid Ivri Chayav Bemzonos Ishto Ubanav. Rashi says that if a person buys an Evid Ivri, not only does he have an Evid Ivri and he's required, of course, to sustain him, but he's required to support, give Mezonos to the Evid's wife and children. And the Ramban then raises a question. In general, in Halacha, there is an agreement between a husband and a wife based on halacha that the husband has to support his wife. On the other hand, the wife who works 
has to give her salary, her income goes to her husband. The Some people have expressed that this seems unfair, that a woman's salary goes to her husband. But in a sense, it's really fair. The husband has signed an agreement by marrying her that he totally will support her for the rest of her life. His money is then sort of required to be given to his wife, at least to support her, and we'll discuss a little later how much does he actually have to give her. If she is totally supported, why should she have his money, his support, and her own income as well? If the lady so inclines, and today when women themselves make a quite a good salary, many women, professional women, have very good jobs, they have the right to tell their husband, don't support me, I can support myself, my salary stays mine, and your salary stays yours. We both have, we can have separate bank accounts. A woman has such a right to tell her husband, don't support me, but I'll keep my money. A husband has no right to tell his wife, don't give me your salary and I won't support you. The woman has the right to keep her own money if she wishes to waive his responsibilities. But if he wishes to waive his responsibility, he cannot do that. So the Ramban says this law that a man supports his wife, he gets the salary, seems to be a fair law. If this is true, what about the case where a master supports his slave's wife? Who gets the income of the wife? If the wife does go to work, who would get the income? On one hand, the owner is not the husband. Why should he get the income? On the other hand, the husband doesn't support her at all. Why should he get the income? The wife is being totally supported by the Adam. Why should she keep her money? So the Ramban explains that in his opinion, the Adam really does get the money. And he says, the requirements of the husband to support his wife are taken over by the master. And he says, The Torah had mercy on the women and children who are looking for someone to support them. They look to their husband, but he can't do it. He's sold. And therefore, they're going to be doomed. Therefore, the Torah told the Adon, you have to support them, but you can take their salary. And if so, the Ramban says, the Adon is no different than the husband. He can take their salary as the husband himself can do. And that's what the Torah meant, Vyotza Ishtoimo. The wife goes out, and the, and the Adon no longer has to support him, and he no longer gets his, her salary. But the Ramban says, this is all based on mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's based on mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the wife, and also for the, for the Eved, because the Eved, Eved will die out of pain, out of anguish, that he's working as a slave, and his wife and children are abandoned. So the Torah said, that out of mercy, the Adon should support them. A biblical obligation to support them. But now, the Ramban asks this question. Since the Ramban thought that a husband does not have to support his wife according to biblical law at all, 
So how could it be that if there's no husband, if there is a husband, no one has to support her. But if the husband can't support her, then the Adon has to support her. The Adon has to support her more than the husband does. The husband doesn't have to support her at all. So if there is no husband, why would the Adon have to support her? So the Ramban explains, the Ramban says that the Torah knew very well that it is the custom of people, the proper behavior of people to support their wife and children. And therefore, God in His infinite mercy said that the Adam, the master, should take the place of the husband. The Ramban says, in effect, that the Torah need not command the person to support his wife. Because this is the basic responsibility and basic duty and the basic right and privilege of every husband. In a, in a sense, it would be wrong for the Torah to require a husband to support a wife. It would be a terrible situation if a wife needed to be supported because her husband was required by biblical law. Can you imagine the scenario where a wife says that she's hungry, she wants supper? And the husband says, well, I'll have to look it up in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Rambam, in the, in, in, in the, in the Halacha, to see if I have to buy you supper. A person should want to support his wife because that's the way Yehudin Gavrain, the words of the Ksuba, Keminek Yehudin Gavrain, the custom of Jewish males. This is the way it should be done. Very often it seems that the Torah does not specify a halacha when it's somehow understood that this is what the Torah wants, what the Torah meant for a person to do. But does not necessarily write it as an obligation, and partly maybe because they don't want to place it as an obligation. They want to do, say it in such a way that people understand this is the correct thing to do. One of the leading Magide Shir in Yerushalayim today, a person who's well-known, giving Shirim all over, Rav Asher Weiss, has written in a number of articles the concept of Ratzon Torah the concept of the wish of the Torah as opposed to the Chi of Torah. And he shows many examples where the Torah somehow has given a, a source which is not mandated by Halacha, but rather implies this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu really intends for you to do. And I've, I claim that sometimes, in some occasions, the idea being that I'd rather, I prefer your doing it because of your own volition rather than it being required. Of course, the Chachamim came along, according to the Ramban, and said, well, there are cases where it doesn't work. And unfortunately, there are tragic situations where the husband will not support his wife because the Torah implied that it would be a good idea. Therefore, the Chachamim had to come along, as it were, to cover all the cracks and say, well, we will require a husband mid Rabbanon to support his wife. But it would be preferred if he did not do that just because of the obligation, but because of his own choice. So the Ramban and Rashi, well, in the Ramban it's clear. The Ramban certainly says that that, that the chiyuv, the obligation of Sher Ksus, the monetary obligations, are drabanan. Let's remember that we've learned in previous shiurim that the Ramban thinks that Ksuba is also the Rabbanan. Even the Ksuba, 
any marital financial regulations according to the Ramban are all Midrabanan. Midaraisa, Kedushin and Nesuin are just a religious ceremony where a husband and wife are now Mikudashim, Zilazu, she's Mikudashas to him. But there are no financial halachas according to the Ramban, Minatora. The Rashi, as I said before, some people interpret Rashi to mean that She'er and Ksus are We pointed out that this is not necessarily the Pshad in Rashi. The uh, Maharal said that even Rashi might agree with the Ramban. The Sugya in Shas is found with Dafmem Zayn of and Ksubis. And there the Gemara says, brings an opinion, that Tiknu the law that I stated before is phrased in the Gemara as a Takana. Chachamim said a Takana, a rabbinic innovation that a person should support his wife for the fact that he gets her salary. It seems quid pro quo. And the Gemara goes on to other halachas that we will discuss in a later shir. Kvurasa tachas ksubasa her funeral expenses have to be paid in, and also there's a quid pro quo and the Gemara goes on to discuss the various responsibilities between the husband and the wife. Again, we're only talking today about biblical obligations if there are indeed any biblical obligations. Then the Gemara says, the Gemara has a phrase of tiknu, tiknu. They, they use the phrase that Chachamim made up this takana and Rava comes along and says, this Tana, one Tana, holds that there's a biblical obligation of Mizonos, and he quotes Sheira Ksusa Vonasa, Sheira being Mizonos, and they quote a Pasuk in Micha that somehow implies that the word Sheir can be used for food. Remember, the Ramban did not like the word Sheir used for food. The Gemara does quote a Pasuk in Micha that has some sort of implication of food, and the Gemara goes on and says, Kesusa Kemashmok, the word Kesut again seems more literally translated, and Asa is referring to marital relations. But when the Gemara said, Haitana Savar Mazonas Medaraisa, it means that there's, there is such an opinion. The Ramban learned that that's a minority opinion. Tosfus quotes in Dafmem Chesam and Aleph of Ksubis that there's more than one person that thinks Ksubis Daraisa. And he says, Rebeleza ben Yaakov also says Mizonos Daraisa. So either the Ramban disagreed with, with the Tosus and thought really only one person that thought Ksubas Daraisa, or he meant, as I said before, Das Yachi doesn't mean a one person's opinion, it means a minority opinion. Nevertheless, in the Gemara, there is a Machlokas if the Halacha Mizonos is Daraisa or Drabanan. The Rambam is the one who clearly paskined like people thought Rashi did, but against the Rambam. The Rambam in Perek Yudbeis of Hilchos Ishus, Halacha Aleph, says, Adamisha, when a man gets married, Ben Besula, Ben Beula, whether she had been married before, whether she's a virgin, Ben Gedola, Ben Ketana, whether she's above the age of 12, below the age of 12, Achaz Bas Yisrael, whether she's a, a Jewish girl or a convert or a freed Amma Shivra Knanis, He will have ten obligations to her, and he gets four privileges. Today we will not discuss 
the entire list of the ten things that husband gets. Neither will we discuss the laws of the obligations of a wife to her husband. We will learn the first three. The three, the Rambam says in Allah Chabez, Shlosha Minatorah. There are three laws of Minatorah. Sheira Ksusa Nasa. The Rambam says, as, as one opinion of the Gemara, as Rashi seems to have said in Chumash, Sheira Elumazonasera. Sheira is referring to food. Ksusa Kemashmo. Ksus refers to garments as the literal interpretation. And Nasa refers to marital relations. Now, according to the Rambam, uh, since Sheira Vksus Ardaraisa, Ona is Daraisa. By the way, it should be pointed out, the Machlokas that I talked about, whether She'er and Ksus is Daraisa or not, is referring specifically to She'er and Ksus, only to the monetary obligations. The law of Ona, the law of marital relations, that seems to be no con- controversy. Both the Rambam and the Ramban, uh, Rashi, they all seem to think that is a biblical obligation. The Rambam, since the Rambam Paskins, that Ksus Ona, She'er and Ksus are Daraisa, the Rambam has to give halachic parameters of what is mezanos. So the Rambam in halacha yud says how many, how much does mezanos? So the Rambam says, as was the custom in those days, that people ate twice two meals a day. So a, you are required by law, by biblical law, according to the Rambam, to give food of two meals a day, a normal meal in that time, in that place. For normal people, what normal people eat. And the Rambam emphasizes that other things, not just the food, but for example, uh, we would call it the Shemen Hadlakas Haner would be to have candlelight today. We would say it's electricity. Shemen Lachila, what's necessary to prepare the food. Uh, wine, fruit, to have Sudashli Shitun Shabbos, to eat meat and fish as is the custom of the place. And the Ram says also a little bit of money for her personal needs, to do the laundry, for, for bathing purposes, etc. But the Ram is careful to point out these laws only apply to a person who doesn't have money. But a person who's rich, then he should support her according to the style of a rich man. Even if it means the Ramam's concept of luxury in those days is to have a flesh meal, a meat meal, twice daily, all every day, and you should give her according to his his money. But then the Rambam says an interesting statement: if he is very indigent and he cannot give her food, he cannot give her even bread. So we would force him to divorce his wife. It's an obligation to support your wife. And a man who can't meet that obligation would be required by law to, to divorce his wife. But of course, the problem would be how could she collect the ksuba? He has no money to support her. So the Ram says that's true. The ksuba would be a chiyuv. It would be, would be left as a monetary obligation that he would have to eventually pay. In the meantime, he couldn't pay. Now, we've been talking about the law of Mizonos. And we saw that according to biblical law, the Rambam thinks the husband has to support his wife. But there's one more halacha in this respect that I'd like to point out. The Rambam in Perak Yud Beis, Halacha Yudalit of Hilchas Isha says, Kishem she'adam chayev b'mzonos ishto, kachu chayev b'mzonos, b'nav uvnosav haktani matshu b'nei sheishani. 
The same way that a person is obligated to support his wife, he's obligated to support his children, his young children, until six. Of course, in the time of the Gemara, a child six might already have gone to work. But the Ramam is talking in, in his time and place, a person is required to support his children. Now, today's Shir discusses the Chiyuv, the husband as to his wife. Why did I quote this halacha? that a Rambam says in Halacha Yadala that a person has to support his wife, his children. So the reason I did it is because of a diuk in the Lashon of the Rambam. If we'll be very, very particular about the words of the Rambam, the Rambam added, The same way that a person is chayev to support his wife, he's chayev to support his children. Why did he do that? Why didn't the Rambam just say that a person is required to support his children? The Ran, quoted by the Mishnah Melech on this halacha, says that the halacha of supporting children is predicated upon the fact that they are the children of the woman whom you have to support. When you have to support your wife, not only do you have to support her, but part of her support means to support her children. Allegedly, you would learn that this chiyuv, according to the Rambam, is a chiyuv daraisa. My biblical obligation of supporting my wife would include in it an obligation to support the children. Maybe one could argue that this is the rabbinic law. But nevertheless, it seems from the Kashem She'adam Chaya B'mzanos Ishto, the same biblical obligation to support your wife would be to support your children, her children. And the Mishnah Lamelech said the Diuk and the Rambam that precise language of the Rambam, Kashem, would lead us to think that the Rambam agrees with the Ram. Of course, this would have halachic implications as well. For example, in a case where a man would marry a woman who has children, then you, he would require be required to support her children. But let's say his own children he would not be required to support. The supporting his children would only be part of the obligation of supporting his wife. And if, God forbid, his wife would die, I don't know if there is such a halach of supporting his children, at least according to the biblical law that we've tried to explain today. Some of the other ramifications of this halacha may be interesting, but it just seems that the Raman would think Mezonos Ishto includes Mezonos Banaf. Of course, we would have to define exactly what kislus means also. Because of time, we'll just say that the Rambam in Perek Yud Gimel also discusses what is the concept of, of ksut, what does garments include, and the Rambam says finding a place to live, a, a decent dira, is also part of ksut. In a certain extent, the concept of ksut is the covering. The covering is garments, but it's also the roof over a person's head. So, the Rambam thinks that the furniture and the apartment that she lives in would also be part of, of Ksut. The Rambam includes in that also a certain amount of jewelry that a person must buy his wife. And of course, the Rambam will end this halacha by the same way he ended the halacha of, of Mizonos. The basic law, we've said before, is in a normal lifestyle. However, if a person has a lot of money, he's very wealthy, then he should support his wife in the style of rich people. 
and in fact we would coerce a person to do this. So there is a law of ksus, and there's a law of mazon, which are biblical obligations, and the Ram gave halachic parameters. The third halacha, that of marital relations, also will have exact parameters which depend upon certain factors. In the interest of uh, Tznios, I'd rather not discuss this over the broadcast, but rather would discuss it with people in person. Last week also I mentioned certain things that I'd rather not discuss in, in a general broadcast, and that was an interesting uh, source of a number of messages that I got discussing whether I could tell people privately certain opinions, or people who expressed uh, disagreement with me and said that I should have addressed these issues over the the broadcast as well. But my opinion is I'd rather not discuss these in public. Exactly the halachic parameters of, of Ona could be learned for those people that are interested in the next parak of the Rambam in Hilchas